from a cool hotel, the Sinclair here in Fort Worth. Actually different from the team hotel, but right around the corner. And this is a neat little place to come back to because last year the Bulls, of course, won the American Athletic Conference Women's Basketball Championship in Fort Worth. And the little plaza where we took the team kind of championship photo the next day in was roped off. And now it's well much more open out here and get to actually enjoy the town today. For a change. Now, not a day off. I'll be going to practice, reporting to you from there. We'll be, of course, taking part in the Zoom call with Bob Shoup and a couple of the standout defensive players while practice is going on. We'll be doing the conference show this morning, and of course, we'll be getting ready for the broadcast tomorrow night with the production stuff because there are going to be some fancy schmancy production elements. We just can't do the same things we've had during the regular season. So we are working, but actually getting to maybe enjoy things a little bit more and hopefully enjoy a win tomorrow now before we get to more on the women's basketball and what happened with men's basketball last night let's tell you about the remainder of softball and baseball and yes this is the game that we couldn't broadcast because it was just starting too close to depart time for me with the hoops team but I was able to actually sit in the press box and enjoy it and man did we enjoy the third inning listen it was Georgina Cork against Florida A&M she didn't face them until that last two innings on Friday so you kind of knew the Bulls were going to win but it was nice to see the bats start to put together those big hits now these are as called by Ryan Urquhart on ESPN plus it all came together for a very very fun third inning Pond drives it high, deep to left field, and that one hops up against the wall. Sheehan will score without any problem. Pond is thinking three, and she's in safe, sliding with a triple to put the Bulls up 2-0. 1-2. Epperson lines it hard to left center, and that drops in the gap for a base knock. Pond is plated as Epperson retreats to first with the ribby single, and the Bulls are up 3-0. Payoff pitch is roasted past Watson and down the left field line. Waldo trots home. Wave around third for Piero. She'll touch home. It's a two-run double for Josie Foreman. And the Bulls extend the lead. Five to nothing. Sheehan gives it a good drive to left field. That's going to hop up against the wall. Two runs are in. Green light for Johns. And Sheehan has a bases-clearing double. And it's 8 nothing. South Florida in the home third. It's funny, I was sitting basically next to Mr. Urquhart, but with a big wall in there, and almost passed him a note that that was Pond's first career extra base hit the previous day, and now all of a sudden, she's starting to rack him up. I mean, that was a well-struck ball to get things going. She hands ball, rope to the wall, and the game was decided at that point. The only thing left was, would it be a no-hitter? And of course, I knew it was, because we weren't broadcasting it live. I mean, it was a given, but even past a no-hitter. The next step, one step that Georgina Cork hadn't taken yet, and she did. Here's how the game ended. Two always snubbed off into the screen. 2-1. Swing and a roller to short. Fielded by Rivera, and that's the ball game. Georgina Cork makes history again. The fourth perfect game in Bulls history. Crossed 1,000 strikeouts last night. And today, her seventh career no-hitter and the first perfect game in the storied career of Georgina Cork. Pretty nice job there. And again, we are replaying that game as kind of a special hour package as part of replaying all the wins Tuesday afternoon and evening on Bulls Unlimited 2 if you want to check it out. So not a bad week. Again, here's why it's guaranteed she'll be the conference pitcher of the week. Don't forget, she had four wins. She got credit for the win against Army because the starter, Aaron Pepping, did not go the four innings. And Kopko, even though she got that last out in the fourth, ran into troubles right away. 
Hill with the two pass balls, and Corrick had two and a third flawless innings. So she got the win and then the save against Florida A&M. So she had four wins and a save, but her week also included a 19 strikeout performance against FGCU. Simply phenomenal. She struck out eight, needed just 56 pitches. Her ERA is right above .08. That's one earned run in 87 and a third innings, and she's got 13 W's. Oh, by the way, Alexis Jones had nine stolen bases over the weekend. She's not doing it by herself, Cork. She's getting plenty of help from the offense, which is looking great. Hitting 288 as a team, that'll do. Not a lot of home runs, just four, two each from Foreman and Epperson. But the RBI count, this was a fun thing to keep track of. Right now, with those three in one swing, Megan Sheehan has the team lead with 12. But then you have Josie Foreman, Madison Epperson, and Alana Rivera all on 11. Megan Piero on 10, and Johns is hitting 429 with 18 steals in 19 attempts. Pretty fun team to cover. Next in action against Stetson for a doubleheader on Wednesday. I will not be able to call those games. We'll be in Fort Worth, but we'll see if we can get a simulcast going for you. Baseball, boy, from perfect to immaculate. Here's how the weekend got started. JCX, quick work right there. Does not mess around in the strike zone. Crawford looked like somebody that was interested in reaching in a base on ball, balls if that was possible, but it was not going to be possible in that situation. Jaciak looking like somebody that is going to confidently attack the zone today, and that's going to be a nasty two-seamer by Jaciak that is swung on a miss, and right now Jack Jaciak, early sample size, looks unhittable. Jaciak thinking about mixing in a non-strike. Hasn't done that yet, so this could be an immaculate inning to get things started. Guess you can't ask for much better than that. Does he waste a pitch? I say no. Go for the immaculate inning. It's called strike three. Might have been out of the zone, but it's a slider looking. And indeed, Jack Jaciak gets a big, big welcome from his dugout after turning in a perfect Nine pitch, nine strike inning. He just didn't stop. I mean, they got a couple hits off of him, and he didn't get everybody out via the strikeout. But how about tying his career high with 12 strikeouts, and that's all you want from your opening night starter. He also got run support. Although, again, the Bulls were leaving some situations out there. Joaquin Monke smashed a ball that could have been a bases-clearing type double situation, but instead got caught for a sacrifice fly RBI. And then Carmine Lane, talk about great. Alexis Johns has been the leader all year long batting average-wise with kind of ridiculous numbers for softball. Lane is her counterpart on the baseball squad, and he's got some pop. Oh, drills that ball deep to left, going back on his Brashear to the wall, trying to make a play, and there's no play to be made. A home run for Carmine Lane. He actually goes back and hits first base. I was wondering what was going on there. He must not have hit first. Good job for him. And he gets to trot now. After touching all the bags, it's 2-0. The Bulls would tack on a run in the inning. Nick Rivera with an RBI single. His bat is starting to come around, which is a big deal. We'll talk more about the baseball team tomorrow in details. We're just giving you the big highlights. And there were some on Sunday here. The Bulls win the first game 3-0. Also worth noting, Hunter Mink came on and pitched the last two innings for the save. And what that is doing, it is setting up Orion Kirkering to be a starting pitcher. Probably in the starting rotation if Mink can be a reliable closer. And he has been every bit of that so far. 
So that benefited the Bulls as they win the game one, but just didn't have it in game two. And again, while softball was going on, I was noticing that as the wind was blowing in for us, it was blowing out for Brown and the Bulls, obviously. But Brown was taking more advantage. They blasted a three-run homer off of Brad Lord in the third inning. They added another one in the fourth, and it was 6 nothing. Now, the Bulls did start to make some inroads, and they actually got it to 9-5 to in the eighth inning. But Brown deserved the win, 17 hits compared to just seven for the Bulls. They could only get one hit off the starter for Brown in five innings. And unfortunately, Lord just didn't have it. The wind didn't help. He did strike out six in six innings. Joe Sanchez struggled, and that's a concern. Five hits, three runs in two-thirds of an inning as the Bulls used a half-dozen pitchers. Sonny Rayo, the freshman, got a two-RBI hit. Good to see him start to put it together, but Brown put up 17 hits as a team. So no replay of that game on the channel, but you're going to hear what happened on Sunday a lot. Jay Rutcher had the calls, and Drew Rutcher's power bat has arrived. Here are his first two appearances at the plate from Sunday afternoon. Got to be ready to hit right off the bat today. Not wait until the fifth inning to get a base knock either. That ball's hit deep back to the wall. It's gone. Drew Brutcher with an absolute bomb. Wow, that ball got out of here in a hurry. A solo shot from Drew Brutcher. His third home run of the year gives the Bulls a 1-0 lead here in the bottom of the first. And when Drew Brutcher hits him, it's not a maybe. It's not a, ah, could it go over? That thing was tattooed. With a really good lead at second base. Nice secondary, eating at third. Next pitch, hit deep to left field. That ball slicing away. It is back. It is gone. Oppo Taco, soft shell. Drew Brutcher's second home run of the day. This one of the three-run variety. And the Bulls lead it 5-0. Drew Brutcher is hot. You can say that again, Jay. Drew Brutcher is hot. And with the way Orion Kirkring, again, not needing to be used necessarily as the closer, was pitching on Sunday as the starter, game was pretty much over. Here's how his day ended. We had Jack Jaciak tying a career high while Kirkring got his career high in innings pitched and strikeouts. And, oh, yeah, Keanu Jacobs-Guichard, Got the start again at shortstop as Nick Gonzalez, along with two other Bulls, had not been with the team for the last couple of weekends. Well, Gonzalez is back and made a big-time play to end it. Go get the out. Get out of this inning. Here's the 0-2. Fastball. Strike three. Strikeout number 10 for Orion Kirkering is the final out in the sixth. Throw that a heartbreaking ball. Sometimes on the inner half is even better than throwing it away. And there's a ground ball back in. Nice play by Gonzalez at short. Over to Rosenblum at second. To first. Double play. A web gem to end it. Six, four, three. And the Bulls win it six to three. Wow. Pretty good job by the defense replacement, huh? And a big win, 6-3, to three, to take the series. The Bulls are 7-4. and four. By the way, that Brutcher home run capped a all-with-two-outs rally there in the second inning that included an RBI hit by Lane. He's hitting 409 now with three homers and 14 ribs. Brutcher is at 400 with four homers and 13 ribs. Team ERA just a shade above three after giving up those runs on Saturday. Still very, very strong. And they play Boston College tomorrow night. We will have that game. Ryan Urquhart is going to call it live for us on Bulls Unlimited 2. I will be calling the women's basketball action. We'll do much more on them on tomorrow's show. But we'll tell you that first team honors went to Elena Chinecki and second team to Betty Manunga and Dulce Fankamengiade. We'll give you all the 
all conference teams on the conference show around the American. I think there'll be a little motivation there. I thought Manunga would be a first teamer, and Elisa Penzon not even on the first three teams. Now, here's the thing. Disappointing end to the men's basketball season. They lose to Temple 75-47, only one of 18 on threes yesterday, as just Sam Hines scored in double figures with 12 points. But they'll quickly forget about that because they are playing UCF in the first round. Thursday at 7, and guess what? The women's final is Thursday at 10. So, yep, we could have back-to-back wars on I-4 if, of course, USF and UCF make the final in their favor to do so. So this could be a very eventful week in Fort Worth where the players were greeted very warmly by a loyal band of USF supporters at the team hotel last night. If you missed that video, I put it on Twitter at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. And follow that for some videos and photos from today's practice for sure. Tomorrow we'll have a full report. We'll also have football audio for you. Tell you how golf is doing. The men are in South Carolina. Albin Bergstrom is up to number six in the national rankings. The Bulls dropped a couple spots but are still the highest ranked team in this tournament. So frankly, they should win it. They are 26 in the country. Three other top 50 teams all from the Big Ten in a field of 15. The women are here actually in Dallas. They're playing 36 holes today and it's not a great day for golf. It's 35 degrees as we're taping this as they're starting. It'll get it into the low 50s and sunny later on today. We'll see how they hold up. SMU is the host and is actually field two teams in this event. Some other conference teams include Tulane, Tulsa, and Memphis, so an early look at how they stack up against squads in the conference. We'll let you know how they do on tomorrow's Bulls Beat, but that's going to wrap up the Monday show. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.